0: Hey, this is Dirk from Uren, from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. Welcome back to the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, OJ. In today's episode, it is part one of the Ghost Cult Album of the Year Countdown. Counting down 75 to 41 is Steve and Keefe. I know it's going to feel like it, but it's not a Steve and Keefe Power Hour episode. But it kind of is. Enjoy part one of three of our countdown.
1: Episode number one of three. I am thrilled to be joined by my friend and senior editor at GhostCultMan.com, Steve Toby. How are you doing, Steve? Very good. How are you, mate? I'm hanging in there, man. So the end of the year... <laughs> it It feels like a marathon earlier in the year, and then it feels like a sprint
0: from Halloween on to the end um, and I, it's been good though because the last week or so, you can tell that all the 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 lull is happening the p r emails are dwindling down to about fifty a day from two hundred uh, uh, at you can exclude the ones you feel are out so uh, yeah, you can feel feel it's coming there and then uh, as you know, we're already starting to plan our coverage for the first couple of weeks in January, so our Christmas break for Ghost Coat is now. <laughs> and it all picks back up again with a uh, really packed the 13th, 20th of Jan. We're back as if there's been no break. So yeah, we cool. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Fair enough. Producer
1: Omar Cordy, who's the, you know, the video wizard and photo editor and things. He told me yesterday that his intention is to take off all of December. I was like, man, that sounds amazing. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Uh, my email inbox is down from like a thousand a day to four hundred fifty. <laughs> Yeah. PR, you know i'm still getting like swamp but i'm also signed up for a lot of band camp stuff i'm signed up for a lot of band things you know band email lists. so i get to see like all the the marketing to the bands you know that i'm a fan and uh a yeah. disciple of that stuff but yeah man we made it to another year we were here again once again you know just first and foremost shout out to the amazing staff we have reviewed thanks to the staff and you we have reviewed more albums than we ever have i think Any time in the past Including when we had a magazine Which seems impossible Because those were quite hefty We used to have like 20 pages Of a digital magazine That was just reviews Thumbnails of reviews And they were shorter But um, yeah What an incredible year And what an incredible year For music just in general I've been really just uh, It's
0: been a marvelous year For releases Yeah I think think that's the the bit When you look at it I think it's been a really cool Solid year There's so many Like really good Eight, nine out of ten Albums You know um I, I haven't necessarily picked up any real new trends and stuff but it's just been quality or quantity of quality just every week you look in four or five albums that you could quite easily become lifeless and stick in your or, you know stick in your library and, and live with and, uh, the, the real difficulty is trying to keep on top of it or you know as we say when we do our, our monthly catch-ups there's so much good stuff great stuff out there i mean the one bit for me i think Perhaps compared to previous years, we may be missing two or three like wow, sort of like you know legendary albums from it. But it's been more than made up from the fact that well, we're about to talk about seventy-five albums that easily hit eight out of ten all the way through. So can't really complain. You know, I've been a bit a bit spoiled over the years. I think <laughs> I have to be minded about the. Uh, the stuff we've got that's come out this year. Right
1: on. And let's talk for a second about this vote. So this is something this you've masterminded this for many years for Ghost Cult. I could not fathom doing it uh alone. So thank <laughs> you first and foremost you man you 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 really uh have a handle on this and just for just to put it out there for our listeners really briefly surmise how the vote is tallied and taken because I think it it helps people understand and we have a staff of you know a lot of people uh, all over the world with different tastes and we let everybody on the team vote not just the writers of regular reviews because I just feel like music fans these are the people who are plugged in people going to shows discovering bands checking out new music so that's who that's our army you know that's our (laughs) That's our uh, that's our crew, you know. That's yeah, that's they, our
0: stormtroopers, basically, with better aim. Yeah, and I think I mean the the one bit that we've been really keen on. So I think this is either the eighth or ninth year that we've run this together as an hour of the year um, is all about being democratic and being voted for by the rights. No editorial interference. You know, it's genuinely um, the yeah the the collective the collective will of the people, but in a good way <laughs> this this time around. Um, so yeah, so we, we out to all the to everyone that's involved, some alumni as well, um, everyone across the board. Plus their top twenties, uh, they're ranked and scored and rated. Um, every there's also additional formulas and stuff given to bands that you know each vote achieves an additional kind of weighting. So the more popular, you know, the more people that vote for an album, the higher up it it ranks. But it all comes out. In the wash at the end, I think we've we've run it through various different formulas and uh, we always end up with the the right outcome, you know, the the people, the albums with the most number one votes or the top five votes from the writers and the most, um, you know, in the albums that we all tend to sort of agree are the top five, top ten albums will play out. This year, actually, quite interesting. We spoke last year, it was probably the widest number of uh, albums pitched that we'd had and the least consensus in terms of the top 10, top 20. This year around, we've had a very strong top 25. I think most people have four or five that are in the top 25 in their top 5, 10. Uh, and it played out um, as, as, we, as we went through. Um, Interestingly, this year there was a couple of late albums that um, people were able to pick up on and get in in time. Um, obviously, we have to run this quite early, run it through November um and i um you later on you'll be talking to gary uh, gary alcock but well, i know he sent me a message he said ah the spirit world album i've got changed my entire list i was like Mate, no one else is going for it no one else has heard it so yeah, it's done you have to leave it, Park it. <laughs> so, um, that is the
1: tragedy of the current way of the world because of everything the last few years because of delays because of the entire Ooh. industry just kind of pushed forward I talked about this in a couple of band interviews recently, touring and festivals are backed up. People trying to get on a festival next year can't because they're all filled yeah. up. And it's the same thing with the releases. Like I said, they were at least four or five releases had they come out in June instead of November and December. I think everybody would have that elder high up on their list. I was lucky to hear it early. Hammer's a misfortune. People will not hear me shut up about. We do have an interview coming up soon with John from Hammer's. I'm a huge fan. I I couldn't, I mean, joy hit the floor when I saw the email that they were putting out a record. And I was like, December 16th. No. (laughs) Um, Moss Generator. Uh, There are a lot of, like a lot of cool stuff is still coming out. And I know there's been some complaining. I saw some whinging on Twitter. We'll see if Twitter is still a thing by the time this runs, but uh, I saw some whinging on Twitter about like, how can, you know, LOL at, you know, other websites and decibel magazine putting their list of top 40 out when the year's not over. But I gotta be honest with you. We tried in the past to do our list in January. There's no interest. We're already on to the next year fans. Are already consuming the next bunch of records. There's a whole bunch of records coming out the first two weeks of January that we will be talking about at the end of next year. Again, like obituaries coming out early January. So like we just can't wait. We have to put. We have to vote on it. Vote what we've heard. Vote with our hearts and put it out. Again, hats off. You know all the applause to you and the staff. They did a fantastic job. Uh, it's a real interesting and diverse list. Just anything. Yeah, yeah. Before we, you know, delve into the list a bit, is there any anything in particular about this year in music? Like you said, you didn't necessarily pick up on any trends, but like, is there anything else that springs to mind about this year in music that makes it a little more special than another year or different? Ooh,
0: um, interesting one. Um, so I, th- I think what seemed to work in terms of, like, I guess, the, the dynamic of the release year was like, we, as we said, a lot of eights and nines in the first half of the year. Um, but it, it felt like kind of something was missing and then we got to the summer and all of the big boys and girls waded in with, you know, and you had like uh, monomar Parkway, create Creator, Municipal Waste, Arch Enemy, you know, Machine Head, all of a sudden come bursting out with these, you know, with, with their albums and it, and it felt like yeah, you feel like like when you're at the festival and you you, you sat through the first few bands and they've been cool and stuff, but then you're know, I mean, the the stuff that you grew up with and stuff that you love. And the, do you know, you know, these might not be the best albums, but there's something special around a big release. You know, you have the hype, you have the build up, you have the, the chat around it. You see Twitter, Facebook, Messenger, whatever you're you're on. More people talk about it because more people know about the bands and more people are interested. in it. it's, it's an event, and that for me was I think I felt that I kind of missing missing over the last the first six months of the year, or maybe the last six months of last year as well. And it just felt like with that, it kind of gave a bit of, um, I don't know, a bit of coverage, exposure and joy to the, to the, to the chat. And when you're in those chats, you can then talk about the other smaller bands or the other, say smaller, we're not talking tiny here, (laughs) but other things that kind of uh, float around. But, so yeah, so for me, that that was definitely part of it. One bit that I found quite interesting, and it's always, I think, my taste in music tends to reflect uh, throughout the year, the areas i have to cover and pick up in terms of the reviews i'm doing so i think for myself the first half of the year the last year was very much around death metal and there was loads of great death and underground stuff that i was picking up on and into uh first half nine months even for the year i wasn't in that space i picked up on bands that were new to me like no devotion um uh, death of anna dipped in and out of over the years but i really like their their new one um you know a couple of punk bands betty ray's dragged under sort of um, came on my radar that I wouldn't necessarily picked up on but the interesting full circle thing is we've come to the end of the year and um, our writer Richard Benton has submitted his top 50 death metal albums I started working through that and I've, I've rediscovered all the love for those kind of disgusting uh, disgusting bands um, Autophagy, um Cosmic Future, Future Faction New undeath death album um, several several albums that I've sort of overlooked through the years it's just like ah, now I've got the space in my head back I've kind of ended up back in the goo and the slime at the end of the year but the other two two other bands i did want to mention uh that are new to me uh this year um in a similar sort of ballpark first one being Harriet, um uk band kind of noise like a death metal code orange you know for one of a much better phrase that's kind of a really really sort of dumbing down who they are and what they do but kind of some really you know post hardcore but really disgustingness to it and saw them with zealand a couple of weeks ago and uh that really kind of um, made more so even more sense live as i extra entombed in there in the live show entombed meets converge which is you know kind of horrible and the other big new discovery for me was uh lorna shore so i kind of decided i wasn't gonna like him but since the noise about my head of uh, course not really my sort of thing so um but to be fair the um you know, the coverage that we had on the site other people that write for us just talking about them I mean, the times they were appearing on on people's lists so like Boston Chuck I think I did, is number one and say so, okay this guy's got good taste you know I, I will go check him and that blew me away It's like you know Fresh God meets cow uh, Cap meets Chopra, a Cowboy with Black Dahlia in there and then some cool weird like almost like dimboggy stuff as well and yeah that really impressed um, so I didn't vote for it because I caught it too late but that was uh, a real big one for me yeah that's cool and I think I suppose the uh, going through I I'll, I'll try not to spoil too much my my own album of the year list. Um but I'll track a few names of albums that really landed and meant something, um something to me really. So my personal album of the year was um seldom really early, was the new Marillion. Um I think it went into quite depth when we did the when I did the review about why and how that album speaks a lot um to me. I and mean, I think it's just their it is their best album. Um, okay, it's the the one I came to. Um so I got into Marillion history, that one and I've gone backwards, but it just speaks to me every time I listen to it. It's a really deep album. And a lot of love um, to the year. new to me, and I really like the new one. Um, I think Zee nailed it for me. You know, on this one, it's the, they've brought it all together in a way that really works and, and speaks to me. The Garrier album, Black Metal, big fan of, uh, Machine Head, and then the the big three from, as um, so I mentioned, and the other two up there for me. I really like the Bloody wet album and uh the halo effect uh has probably been my most listened to album those two albums the two i've listened to the most this year big fun songs and you know heavy melodic it's right in my middle of my venn diagram that's a pretty good venn diagram that's a very good (laughs) venn
1: diagram hails to the black wizard richard benton and we look forward to that countdown uh curated by him i'm very interested in that list also and probably gonna as usual probably gonna discover some new bands I didn't know whenever I read his stuff really quickly, I would say two or three trends that I observed this year, we discussed one of them the last time we got together, which is just the UK is slaying Uh, it with new bands, up and coming bands and the next generation of bands. I don't know how else to put it. They are, there's at least six or seven in our whole countdown, spoiler alert, but you'll find out when they are and who they are. But just a, a tremendous year of talent in the UK, whether it's DIY labels or major labels it, uh, or metal labels, it doesn't matter. It's uniform across the, yeah. the space. I think we've seen perhaps the zenith of synthwave artists. And uh-huh. dark wave artists infiltrating metal, where bands are now. I saw a bio come across my email yesterday that was like synthwave for metalheads, and I was <laughs> like, we have now reached the zenith point where, you know, between Ghost utilizing it and other bands and a lot of uh, metalcore and emo bands going over and doing synthy stuff like Bring Me the Horizon, who were brilliant at it, and some bands that are not as good at it. But to see the yeah. saturation and this, you know, what was a very niche style kind of cut through to a mainstream is really gratifying as a fan and um we have some of those records are in this uh countdown also yeah, a yeah. few yeah. and i would say the third thing is what's it's it's tough to say this but i think there wasn't that much of a satur- like uh, as much as there were albums catching up that didn't release last year i think there's also we didn't have all the let's say the headline bands, the, the the upper echelon genre leaders, there wasn't as many albums by them. So when they did happen, they were a, like a nice breath of fresh air, as opposed to, oh, we're oversaturated with like 35 of the greatest bands ever and they're all putting a new record out this year. So we didn't have that. I think bands were getting a little more selective about when to put out what. There are going to be many huge headline bands with albums out next year, most likely, but at the same time, a very interesting year. In, in terms of that whole makeup, in terms of what we do and what you do. So to me, very interesting stuff for the future. And yeah, I'll sh- just shout out a few things, you know, uh, probably not a surprise to anybody that's heard me talk about it. Machine Head was my number one for the year. Love the band, love the album. I just got, it's here somewhere. I just got the vinyl in the mail that I ordered in February. <laughs> so it's
0: finally delayed. showed up. That's the trend this year, vinyl delays. Yeah, the vinyl delays is real. coming seven months after the album, but that's yeah. cool. I think, it, oh, I, think it, yeah,
1: I think it just depends. There are bands who feel like they, they need to have it all ready to go on the same day or they're going to dip in sales and people are not going to be loyal and come back and get the vinyl later. And then the, the, I've seen other bands who are just like, it's going to come out whenever. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, Machine Head for sure. Metal Credibility out the window. Frank Turner, FTHC, Frank Turner Hardcore. Marvelous record. Depressing uplifting, brilliant, sad, happy, all the emotions, an incredible album. I I can't yammer on enough about that. You know, some classic bands came through and put out some killer records. I love Cult of Luna, obviously Meshuggah. And then, you know, a a few others we'll get to that are sort of high up on the list. So I'll shout them out when the time comes. But yeah, you know, there were some tried and true. Debbie, I can't believe he made two albums in the last couple of years and put them out on the same day. And as much as we're talking about Debbie's record all over the place and our interview with Debbie did really well, cause he shared it. Thank you, Debbie. But he has a second record that if just that record came out, it would be, Oh, another typical crazy Debbie record. So heavy. Why so heavy? So good. And like, you know, the
0: guy's a madman. He's just a madman. Yeah. <laughs> <and> simple. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of, uh, big fan of Lightwork actually. I think it, maybe I caught it at the right time. It, it just sort of, um, Chills out a little bit more, taking the guitars out there in, in the first half of the album. But you can't, that guy just can't avoid, he can't help going off script. You know, he's talking about putting out this chill album that helps reset his um, psyche before moving on. And you're getting into the side too. and there's some weird, dark, twisted stuff. And there's some reference back to Empath. And there's references back to Physicist and, you know, Ocean Machine and stuff in there. So uh, just laughing. Yeah, looking forward to the tour and what that brings. But interesting, even as just a new album out less than a month ago, I'm very interested in what's next album-wise as well. It's kind of like, I think it's set things up nicely,
1: but yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I liken this new record to Casualties of Cool, and I think mm. uh, Shay Duvall is also on the album as a singer as well on a track. But that that Casualties of Cool record is a little like unsung gem of something. He Again, he like he wanted to try out. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I am also very excited. And he started working on new music, he even tweeted today, as we record this, like started writing again, feels really great after a couple of years. So like, I can't even, he's playing chess and we're all playing checkers. I can't, (laughs) I can't even comprehend. Well, what we'll do next is we'll, you know, we have our list and I don't, what was the total number of albums voted on?
0: 276 albums. Although someone voted for Stripe Man, I can't believe that's like one person voted their last number 20, but I can't believe that's a a series, but yeah. That's number two seventy six.
1: You know, Michael's very talented. They're not a bad band. I just never. I just. just Kurt, yeah.
0: Did you did you sneak Kurt Dewar in a vote? Is that where that came from? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't me. So yeah, two seventy six. Right. That's a pretty high number for us. It's probably not the highest ever, but it's high. It's up there.
0: Last year, I think. But yeah, it's just stupid. Yeah.
1: The range of of different albums. So then we whittled that down to seventy five because anything else would be ridiculous. We could do a hundred, but like, why? You know, you handed me off the seventy-five to one list, and so just looking at the list from, let's say, seventy-five to fifty, uh, just just across the board, what are some of your favorite records out of this li- out of this portion of yeah. the list that people will be able to see on our website after they hear this podcast?
0: Yeah, no. So for me, um, just just picking a few, I mentioned Harry, um, who says an EP. Um, obviously, we allow EPs and splits, but not singles. You know this. Um, so yeah, Harry profound morality, um, Astronoid, I really liked Radiant Blooms, the third Astronoid album. I think it, 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 hits that sweet spot. They've sort of, um, captured the dynamics better. They know when to push, um, push the, the blasty or the more double bass, you know, blast beat drums, um, and the more black metal influence as well, still hitting that sweet kind of, um, shoegaze, you know, uh, post-rock sort of vibes with it. But also uh, for me, that, I um, was a big fan of that one. I thought it was going to chart a bit better, but maybe it didn't land with so many people. Um, but I would highly recommend um, the new Coheed and Canberra albums. I think is a is a strong one. Again, I'm surprised more people haven't picked up on that, and I'm I'm not entirely sure as to why that that hasn't. For me, it's it's up there with Good Apollo's one of the best ones they they've done. And I think you know the big band. I was expecting a bit more bit more noise around that. I think those that loved it and grabbed it have done so, and you know run with it. And uh, others have kind of. Just just haven't, <laughs> to be honest. Um uh, I and from that that colour from that batch says 75 to 50. Um, and I'm really I should know how to pronounce this barrel that's it. I I'll leave the Sorry, I haven't even written it. I don't think I've ever tried to say it before. Um, but yeah, we damn them. So you've got your progressive technical death metal, but broadening out so much more into a lot of melodic, some really cool um dynamics with clean vocals uh, clashing with the, some really powerful deeps uh some just ridiculous guitar playing but not like wanky tech for the sake of wanky tech it's good good interesting riffs and um some real kind of like you know mixing from full-on death metal battery through mellow death into some cool chill out sort of like uh yeah some nice little journeys in, in their music. So th- those are the main ones I think in that, in that group. What I haven't heard and it's still on my list that a lot of people pushed um, pushed hard for is Candy and Heaven is Here on Relapse. But I've mentioned that because of the buzz and it's one that's quite at the top of mind still to check out.
1: We are in the post Turnstile Code Orange age where there are a lot of hardcore bands yeah. incorporating new things into their st- sound or metal bands that went hardcore uh candy is one of them phenomenal record don't feel bad about a legion or a legion it's a legion (laughs) i got punked by them in an interview where i was like how do you say this and they punked me and made me Uh, say it wrong for years so it is a legion but it seems like it should be a legion i don't know yeah um you know uh curse those guys gonna be interesting to see what they do now that riley has uh left the band yeah yeah how they're going to replace him and and what course they go in the future. I don't think musically they're going to change too much, but I just think it'd be interesting to see what they do with the vocalist spot for myself, you know, what a rich year for music. And, and again, I definitely have my genres that I go to over and over, Uh, you know, in looking at this, this sort of part of the list, Fallujah at 75 has a phenomenal record. That's a band that also lost their singer and people kind of wrote them off. And now they've had a couple of records in a row without him. And toured a lot, and you know they've moved right on in and the record's phenomenal. It's a great slice of technical death metal as uh, sort of a bay area specialty along with Thrash is death metal. Harriot, profound morality again, another one of those u k bands just crushing uh really came on my radar this year. We did a big feature interview with them that was phenomenal, and they are really going like I think this is just the scratching the surface. I don't even think this is remotely close to the ceiling for that band. Gold is a band, a Dutch band. This shame shall not be mine. They have been kind of percolating in the underground and the avant-garde for a long time. They were a curator at Roadburn. They performed the entire album in full. I got to spend a lot of time with this record there on Artifact Records, which is a label that I like a lot. They have Kylan Mikla and Cloud Rat and Kanga and a lot of dancey synthy artists, but also like a lot of metal, a lot of great metal releases. So I love that Gold record mayors of thrace what a comeback after many years in the dark that band put a new record out and uh kind of a sleeper i'm even surprised to see it make our list of 75 because they are truly uh, if ken mode is a celebrated but still underground band mayors mayors of thrace is you know less well known than ken mode and they're from you know the same part of canada and um stabbing westward uh, what a comeback for that band, 19 years in between albums. And it's very cliche to say it sounds like they haven't changed or this could have come right out after the last one. This could have come out Chasing Ghosts on Cop International, COP International. This could have come out right after the late 90s and it would have been no different or the early aughts. Like, it is a fantastic Top to bottom record, no filler, all killer. If you love industrial metal, there's no core bleeding in. There's no trying to be something they're not. That's what they are. This gothy industrial metal. That's who they've always been. And it's terrific. I love that record. And I'm sure there's probably a few more I'm missing or didn't make our list. Wolf is amazing. King of the North. That band is very consistent. Uh, you know, you got to give it up to the Finns. They know how to metal, you know? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Okay. I do
0: wonder, this is one of the bits we may get some criticism for, but Clutch sitting in at 67. But I think they've probably been victims of their own success, I think we talked about at the time. It's, the album sort of flew under the radar, but on the back of three or four you know, real big like landmark albums for them, it did feel a bit like hey, another Clutch album. It's still very good. We're still talking yeah, eight out of ten, still, still smashing it. But it's quite interesting that, it didn't capture the imagination, whereas the previous three have all been top 10, I think for us, definitely top 15. So yeah, interesting
1: one. I think maybe the problem the, that Clutch suffers is they have done so much stuff during the pandemic yeah. era, re-releases, reissues, standalone singles, live streams, videos. They constantly have stuff coming out. And I, I don't know if it's It may have hurt them because they have so much stuff coming out. It's hard to keep track of the new thing that finally was the new album. And they also will talk, you can talk about this. This affects you and I directly and the staff is the lead times for albums seem to be a lot shorter because of everything. I think that we're getting, we used to get, maybe three to four months ahead of a release and you would get the first announcement and then the first single and then the pre-save and then the video and then a lyric video and then another video. And now we're getting like eight weeks or less between like, here's the announcement album that happened with disturbed. That happened and with a we- lot. Uh, very few bands this year said, Hey, it's January. Our record's coming out in October. Very few bands. Most bands 100. this year did that. And clutch also, I think they announced and maybe it was 10 weeks later or eight weeks later, the
0: album dropped. So I would say the one band that did do, and I think they are genuinely moved their album several times for touring purposes and, and various things. I think as we discussed at the time, that's almost like the the opposite effect, because by the time the album came out, and there were about six singles deep, I think everyone was done. i <laughs> done with a record and ready for something new, and not the rest of the album. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting one. You're right. The the different tactics taken And I think what we've seen this year as well is the the death of the surprise release because when they come out and no one cares it's like there's not very few like gate creeper last year got away with it they smashed it by sneaking one out early january with no fanfare and everyone's like oh this is awesome but every band that's done for a, oh with the album, a eps drops on a tuesday Ha! Uh, here you go most people have been off so i think you're right you're looking 10 12 weeks as a as a, a lead-in time anything shorter than that and it's not really get you know i think you can do it. And it's possible to get, get something um on that short turnaround, but but maybe as a better breach because it's the albums aren't quite as spectacular. So like the you know the new disturbed for example, bit of fan of disturbed on and off for the years. It it doesn't end for me, you know? <laughs> And the fact that it could be the label saying actually we're not going to invest be X amount into the, the big build up campaign this time around. with well, those haven't said that it's still so we've still got multi million streams. So I doubt I doubt they're uh pulling a loss on that one. <laughs>
1: I think the interesting thing for disturbed is that maybe they're also a victim of their own success. How many of those sound of silence fans are going to continue with the band? Did they actually pick up brand new fans who have gone back and appreciated the bat, you know, or, you know, are they the joke band? That's the ooh, ah, 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 band or are they like actually a modern metal band that a lot of people love for their catchy songs and, and commercial rock and metal. I don't know if those sound of silence fans stayed. And I think that would be interesting. They only, they will know. And uh, uh, I'm not, I didn't really spend enough time with the record. I heard the singles, they sounded like disturbed and I didn't hear another sound of silence or no notice another cover. So I think they are just like, we're going to just go it on, you know, do what we always do without the cover this time. And so that's fine. You know, bad wolves had that thing with uh zombie and other bands have had that big yeah, success yeah. with the cover. And then they go back to their blueprint and it, doesn't necessarily translate to sales or a big, big push, but you know, good for disturbed day. Also, I maybe even disturbed, might have even been six weeks. Like I think there was rumblings. They teased that there would be a record, and then they sort of leaked that there would be a record, and then we went very quickly to a release. So I think it snuck up on a lot of people. Also, Strategies.
0: yeah, and you know, and I get that you're trying to stand out one way or another. And for that's that hit you every week for six weeks or a longer build up.
1: So moving forward, let's count down, at least start the countdown in earnest. I will shout out the band and album title and you can give me some feedback and I'll give you some feedback and we'll go 50 to 41 for the sake of just kind of capping off some of this list a little more thoroughly. And again, fans will be able to see this on our website and follow along the next few days as we run this series and release our whole list or as much of our list as we're gonna release uh number
0: fifty bloodhouse nord disharmonium yeah so um so bloodhouse Nord are obviously a band with uh quite wide ranging and extensive discography so if they're a new one to to people listening or picking up the links off of um off of our physical list if you it can be physical on a computer screen uh, um we click click the links and do the review check, check the tracks out but they do have quite a, an extensive and weird backlog so I've got about you know seven albums of theirs. That, a huge, you know, really important album. So, the book that transforms, which transforms God, um, MORT, uh, Cosmography, and the last one, Hallucinogens, really strong albums. They vary from being really, really obtuse, um, really kind of disturbing, um, difficult to listen to, um, dark, dissonant, ambient music to raging, scything powerful black and you know black metal this one sort of sits um i really took me a surprise surprise thought the last album was more in the traditional black metal mold this one they've kind of done a, like a devon left at the traffic lights um they're back in a progressive darkened edges sort of space so it's not really a black metal album it's like that black adjacent unsettling challenging listen but in a good way and i think uh duncan evans who picked up the review for this did a really good job trying to capture the fact that it's an atmosphere record rather than a song record it's definitely an album but it's not one you put on when the sun's shining and you're having a chat you know it's a proper immerse yourself when you want to feel a bit uncomfortable and uh,
1: all the better for it that's great i have very few notes except to say that one thing i love about this band is they have been remarkably consistent their whole career <laughs> so even from changes album to album the quality And the song craft and the attention to detail if you love this band there's a lot of easter eggs for you in all their albums and just things to discover re-listen and listen again and come back after a few months and listen again and discover new things i love that about a band and and they do that really well
0: and i think the bit that works well is i mean they've been going for over 20 years and they still manage to maintain some mystery they don't do interviews in the main they don't do much pr they don't push it i think it's better than so it's one, one phrase. I think it was more effective this time than perhaps with the dark phone no promos no reviews I actually yeah give some reviews approach um, but they've, they were very clear up front that they're not interested in talking people take from their music what they want to take from it and they put out something is worth an investment on behalf of you know people that stuck with them over the years and there'll always be something different and they'll only have to be phoned in I've got a lot of respect for that you know this managed to maintain artistic integrity for two decades is so much even really <laughs> I think that's, yeah yeah so fair play.
1: Enough said. 49 oh. Revocation <laughs> Nether Heaven.
0: Indeed. Now, I think we, we talked on this briefly when it came out in our, in our monthly. And um, I think I'm a bit unusual in this respect. I, I really, we're well, not unusual in liking deathless, but unusual in not being into the two that, that followed as much as, as quite a lot of people were. And I, I think they sit quite, talking at the, the center of the Venn diagram, I, sit, I think they sit quite nicely in the center of the Ghost Cult Venn diagram, being a bit progressive, a bit thrashy, a bit kind of, you know, a bit. Bit of all of those sorts of uh, bits in there. What I like about Never Heaven is it's gone back to, to me to that almost like that deathless, aggressive focus. You know, it's a bit more back in that zone. Um, it's techy, it's fast, it's thrashy, it's got some good songwriting, it's heavy, it's black, and it feels like it's a bit more of a straightforward edge. Um, and it really sort of worked for me. And uh, I know Hans Lopez, who picked up the review for us, was uh, similarly... Raving, raving, raving about a uh, the the aggression, the focus, kind of feeling. I think back, and this isn't to say the previous two were, were, were bad records. I just think they went down a different route. Obviously, it worked really well for them. At the time, but this for me is, is the revocation that I like.
1: Totally fair. I love revocation. I always have, and you know, as I often say about singers, I could listen to the cliches. I could listen to them sing anything. Sing the phone book. Sing Happy mm-hmm. Birthday. I could watch Dave Davidson play guitar and solo and riff all day, every day. And I feel like if he wanted to have like a John five career as a second life down the road, he could do like a solo guitar guy tour and people would, or he'll be on the guitar G three tour or something that Zach wild is on. He's that good. This is a great record. And, uh, you know, again, don't judge these numbers low down on the list as any mark on the quality of the records. This is just a very deep year of albums. And, I, and that's my mea culpa for people who are going to be mad, big time mad at our lists. Good, be mad. Let us know in the comments how mad you are. <laughs> <laughs> but then when Let's you do.
0: see the albums say above, I think you understand what... But again, it's not necessarily above. Like, it's actually, these are all minimum 8 out of 10. Right. Know.
1: Almost, yeah, almost all of them. I don't think we low-graded any of these. Uh, number 48, Frail, Skin and Sorrow on Aqualame Records. Tremendous, tremendous record for me, yeah.
0: So I feel that maybe we should have got Duncan onto to do this stretch. We've got a few of uh, Duncan's albums in these. But So what springs to mind with this one is when um, the, the first press release around this came in, I just instantly thought about Duncan for a junior, so I messaged him and he said, you're up for something dreamy, something doomy, something Chelsea Wolfy, something a bit different. And he was like, yeah, it sounds right up my street. And it's kind of this really cool stone and meets avant-pop kind of gorgeous atmosphere it's like quite organic um you know sort of sounding delicate and breathy kind of um slightly doom slightly pagan-y album and uh, yeah uh, really another one that was um really impressive i think what works best for me and this is just the overall it's another album rather than a set of singles and it's, it's got a really good kind of um atmosphere that plays out all the way through so Another
1: strong one. Agreed. I think this is a band that's just coming into their own. They really have figured out their sound. They just finished a tour of Europe, by the way, so they're coming home to the states. But I love a lot of this band. Just has a great sound. And <gasps> if you, if packaging is important to you, they put a lot of care and thought. Any band that comes out on Aqualam is usually some kind of big yeah. production. It comes with like a lyric book and graphics and just a story that enhances the album. If you're into such things. And uh, yeah, just a phenomenal job by them. Here's yeah. one I'm not, I wasn't that familiar with myself. Yeah.
0: Number 47, Bob Violand, the, the Price of Life. Yeah, so I'll be honest, um, grind punk isn't the first thing that I reach for uh, when, I, you know, when I'm uh, putting something on in the morning, but um, I kind of missed it at the time. I think this was one that was, um, either we got the, the, the PR late, or it's one that was, didn't have a big build up to album release. And we, we missed it. We didn't cover, up uh, with the review, but, and I, I'd heard the name and it's in a bit of a buzz around it in the, in the background, but, um, he did a, a guest, um, guest vocal on the Kid Capici album that I did pick up on and, uh, piqued the Interest. I know Charlie, Charlie Hill, one of our writers was big on the, the Bob Island album as well. Um, and he, he, he mentioned it a few times on, in chats on social media. So gone back into it recently. I like it. Um, surprised me a bit that I do, but it's kind of got that, it's got a bit of, frank carter kind of to it but it's got more um i guess you know, different beats different approach to it. it is a contemporary punk album with a lot of social commentary and that being in the uk at the moment and how things are here um it speaks you know it speaks well he's definitely giving a voice to a lot of dissatisfied people at the moment i know people say that um recession and um political problems breed uh, stronger artists and I think that plays out with this album. to be fair there's you know there's a whole lot of stuff to sing right about but the tunes back it up as well whether it's the grime stuff which I'm absolutely not an expert on but it works really well with the kind of the 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 rocky punk um that, that plays out underneath it so uh, so then you just go over the last few weeks for me um for this one and uh watch with interest what comes next but yeah an impressive Mm, they've always been
1: on the periphery for me i didn't really do a deep dive heard a little bit of the record liked it i do believe we got the pr very late and there was not a big push with them funny enough that you mentioned frank carter this is probably the first time i've had like in the history of the time of ghost cult where i didn't have like a frank carter album in my top 10 uh, that record's really good and you know but i just for whatever reason it didn't it didn't top my other picks for me personally, but great, you know, good mention there. Number 42nd, uh, 46, excuse me. 46,
0: <laughs> Carpenter Brute, Leather Terror. So, um, so there's a theme, and I know we've talked about it in a monthly. So I need to stop making my mind up about bands and writing them off based on what I think they're going to sound like. Um so the carpenter Brood. I um having said that, I did hear one of the, the singles earlier on the one with the car, really 80s videos, car driving and legend neon and stuff going on. Um, but I don't think I, I would like it too much. And then uh, Gary Gary, turned the review in and he said, it basically sounds like Judas Priest played on synths. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> I, you know, I love the reviews around the soundtrack to an 80s horror movie that doesn't exist and starts telling a story about this. Yeah, there's no guitars. But you, you then kick in with the, like the one of on the first tracks properly, like that's Straight out of Hell, and it could be a Judas Priest song. Um, it, the synths sound pretty guitar-like, then they've got some cool 80s... Um, lead bits picking in there is a good bit of um diversity on the album as well and it, it's quite dynamic it tells a good story it does play out like a soundtrack and you get the a couple of guest um guest performances on there so you have the, the co-write with over um which starts with like a sort of almost like uh position city style over a song and then the cool 80s synths come in and then you've got the more recent over kind of you know um slinky pop stuff that comes in so i'm not entirely sold I'm Carpenter Brute still, um, but I'm much more open to it and uh, this has gone a long way to kind of, kind of winning me over, to be fair. And it's funny, you're talking about synthwave for, for metal fans. Uh, I guess, yeah, um, this kind of sits in that space for me. Uh, so yeah, impressive.
1: Yeah, there's a tour that's like Carpenter Brute, Health and Perturbator, and you cannot pick a best three bands for that subgenre of a subgenre of a subgenre the ah. most three i'm pretty sure there's at least two or three people on our staff where carpenter brood is in their like top three bands ever and uh i love this record also i absolutely love this record so uh, it's very fitting that it made the list another record that i absolutely loved in 2022 number 45 sylvain nova
0: yeah and i think this is another one not too well it's dissimilar to frail they don't sound the same but it's it's i think if you like one it, the others are kind of a, a natural companion because it's like Post-rocky dark folk, but um, Sylvain goes into more black metal territory, and it does remind me—it's not too far from Merker, you know. a lot of points, I think there's a there's a strong uh, correlation there with with you know, some of the, the styles and the movement of one, you know, the the, sort of the atmospheric folky stuff into the black metals and then back out again. Um, it does definitely plays with the light and the dark atmospheres, and, and I, I I'm a sucker for it when you've got the like the blackened metal going, the black metal shrieks and howls and stuff. But with some really cool kind of choral, um, soft melodic vocals underneath just that kind of whole kind of piece together. And then the, the next track comes in with a really kind of doomy, bleak, melancholy kind of, you know, feel to it. And um, I think it's a really clever, serious album that covers, you know, that sits in that sort of flicks between the dark and the light, the kind of, you know, the hope and the despair quite often plays that quite well, uh, or more than quite well plays that really well, um, takes, you, takes you on the a journey, if you want of a better phrase. But again, it's another one that's an album. And I, I can't go back to the full albums or get the fuck out. You know, And I'm a big fan of fans that do
1: that. <laughs> so Right on. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan of Sylvain. I think the sky's the limit. And again, a very good analogy with Frail. I also hear Emma Ruth Rundle and Chelsea yeah. Wolf there. I also hear Dark Her and more. There's like a little thread of the folk element in there, but it's really well done. Her voice is incredible. There's a lot. There's a lot of room to grow. I'd be very interested to see what she does next. Number forty-four is another album that I had from earlier in the year, very high, and then just they ended up here on our team list. But Rolo Tomasi, where Myth Becomes Memory, was a record I bumped constantly in the spring, constantly. Yeah, and
0: I'd say I think this is probably one that's more for you to kind of give the, the full blowdown on. So um, for me, yeah. Um, I like I like what they do. I like this album, but the last one um time will time will die just clicked and connected with me much more, and I found myself going back to that and other records uh no this at all on on a very good album, though I think for me you know it is a bit more someone that like they stripped down and rebuilt themselves on this one and maybe for me, the next one's the one that you know the second mouse catches the cheese and all that. Perhaps that works in that space for me, but I always feel like it's, i being been negative about how much it really like, but I do find myself going back to the previous more.
1: Yeah, I think for Rolo, what they did is, and again, this could, we talked about the UK scene, I think in a very crowded scene where they don't want to be, you know, they want to stand apart. They went less, they went more eclectic and less brutally heavy. And I think yeah. their earlier records were a little more technical and savage. And they went, a little circular and a little more heady, and yeah. I think it worked. I love the expansion of the sound. They really pushed their talents to the limit. They really pushed themselves as songwriters, but in a in a quest, you know, between Employed to Serve and, you know, Venom Prison and many other bands, they don't want to be lumped in. So I think I respect that they signed to a bigger label. They went a little more broad. For their first big label release for them, having been a DIY band for a very long time. And, you know, I I like the growth and this record resonated with me. I like the change because they could have just did another Savage Brutal album and they, oh, that's nice. And I think this is a little more interesting. And then if they come back on their next record and they go a little more straightforward, it probably will you know, makes sense. And it also is going to give them a lot of breath live. I have never seen them live, but I've watched some videos. It's a shame. I love them to come here. Uh, now that they have kind of an American label, I'm hoping they get here next year for some festivals or shows touring. And I'm interested to see how all these songs go together live in a set, in a headline right. set, potentially. Uh, number 43, no surprise at all. If you're a fan of Ghost Cult for 10 years, Amorphous,
0: Halo. <laughs> so I have to be... Um... To be, a big, no, to be careful talking them off. I love, love them all, they're one of my all-time, all-time favourite bands. And um, but as we, as I mentioned in passing around, Clutch, I do think there's a, a victim of their own success for me. So Halo, um, a bit of a, I wonder if there's a bit of pressure on them as well because it was one of Atomic Fire's first big releases after um, launching, you know, coming away from Nuclear Blast, and they were one of their like headline bands that they you know, they were riding the ticket on. But what I like about it, and this is where um, I suppose being an amorphous band, going back to Christmas and Tales of Thousand like, way back when most people listening weren't even born, <laughs> is this is one of the albums that they do periodically do every two or three albums. It's a bit more of a slow burn, it's a bit more reflective, it's a bit more um, of a melancholic kind of vibe to it or to the construction of it. Um, but what I like is it's almost like the, the dark final part of the trilogy. So this is the you know the third album I've done with uh, Jens Boggrim. Um, it does follow two absolute beats, like Under the Red Cloud and particularly Queen of Time are two of their all-time best albums. And you're releasing your, your 17th album in a career that's 30 years long. Um, and they're in their space. So it's uh, they a melodic metal band with some heavy bits, some more folky bits and some, you know, some real catchy bits. And I think it really works, but I think it's one that needs repeat listens. And if you're not an amorphous fan this far into their career, I don't think you're going to pick up on Halo as your album of choice. I think Queen of Time or Eclipse, go uh, further back to, you know, um, to Thousand Lake, energy kind of probably more so. Um, but I, I do really like it. It's got uh, seven or eight really, really strong, pure traditional amorphous songs. Um, I listen to it a lot. I think it reflects what I'm saying, though. It's in my top 20, but it's not in my top 10, um, which, you know, as... As someone who's an life, but I still think it's a pretty good album. And there's, you know, there's, there's if you like melodic, heavy, capital H, sorry, lowercase H, not capital H, not traditional metal. Um, I think there's definitely something for you. I think to Tommy Judson's vocals over the last three albums, since working with James Bogren, have been the best of his entire career. And the way he goes from harsh to properly to, pro- to really kind of catchy melodic, still, still puts a real kind of like you know gloss and shimmer on, on everything. So. So I still love it, still love them, um, but I understand why it's not caught the imagination the way that the last two did.
1: Yeah, similarly, I had Amorphous from 20 to 30, which meant they were out of my personal 20. But you know, every Amorphous release is an event for us as fans. I'm also a be a, a, a huge fan, and yeah, this is very strong record. There's no, there's nothing weak about it. It's just not their best. And I think again, it's like over. If you've been around 25, 30 years. Just some of them are going to resonate and some of them are not. Funny enough, in America, Sylvain opened for Amorphis on a US tour and the show was coming to my town and they yeah. got COVID and they canceled the show.
0: Oh, it, was like,
1: <laughs> it was the last day of the tour, the next to last day of the tour, and they got COVID. Literally arrived in Northern California and got COVID yeah. and they canceled the show. I was like, the day of brutal. Uh hopefully next year or another time. Uh amorphous doesn't get over here that frequently. Sylvain would have been, you know, was her first American tour. So oh well. As we get down to the last two of this segment of the list, the excitement is high. Uh Summerlands, number 42, one of the most talked about records of the year with Dream Killer.
0: Yeah. And I think a you know, part of the the puzzle, the, the you know, the 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 hook was around obviously uh Again, I'm gonna embarrass myself with pronunciations, but after risk risk <laughs> <laughs> being on, on guitar, phenomenally famous and well known producer did the creator album this time around Power Trip Machine, Head, loads of other stuff. You've all got Wikipedia and Google Find out. Um, but being being so, so I think if you're not aware of the style of the band, it may have been tempting to think they were gonna be a you know, they are a heavier, thrashier, or you know, kind of more contemporary band. What I love about drink of the other town. So it's on read it's not a very traditional relap rel- sounding album, but it's an it's a really good eighties traditional heavy metal album, but without the chief. Um, and as someone that grew up uh, getting into metal in the early nineties, but going backwards into the to the late eighties, it's got those and those Queens right, you know the um, the Warning era Queens kind of riffs and feel and sound to it. More contemporary bands, compared to perhaps Visigoth, but with a bit less banner or swords and kind of um, chains lyrics and stuff. Uh, yeah really good traditional heavy metal album um i think actually that's one of the subgenres that hasn't really shown at all this year i think in terms of your um yeah that kind of you know, heavy metal stuff hasn't really been big and this this is probably for me the the standout release in that style and i i am a fan of power metal but what it doesn't do that does put a lot of people up this doesn't stray into power metal so i think if you like your Heavy metal, based in Manila Road, um, and the serious kind of you know cool side of heavy metal. This is absolutely the album from this year for you. I just said I said, a big fan of it. And this is what I reviewed. The only one in this ten that was me. <laughs>
1: Amazing, yeah. I've done none of these, and um, <laughs> I will um, say.
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: yeah, 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 I did. Uh, that's right. Yeah. It's all a blur now. Uh, you know what's <laughs> funny about this band? Our I want to shout out our former writer Chris Latta, who is a huge fan of this <laughs> sort of American neo heavy metal, which is a huge honor yeah. here in the US. I think it's a little, you know, it's not taken for granted in Europe that these bands have never gone away over there, but here there's a new generation of younger bands that are doing a similar style and Eternal Champion and Sonya is a band with a brand new album out that a lot of people are starting to buzz about, but it came late in the year and I think yeah. it got overlooked. But yeah, I think but between having Arthur in the band there was a lot of hype ahead of this record. And this is one of those records I like when, and if there's a lot of hype, I want to see that the songs are there and that the, the hype is legitimate. And it was with this one. Not that we paid that much attention to it, but you can't help but, you know, where your inbox is filling up with posts and, and and threads about these bands. So it's hard not to ignore that stuff. And, you know, try not to have it influence us. But yeah, a tremendous record, actually. Yeah, I just I just think that's a very interesting band for the future. And you're seeing a lot of these bands now just kind of pushing through. There's a there's a couple of festivals that have popped up. And I know you are your beloved Visigoth. I don't want to say came out of retirement, came out of the woodwork to perform at the recent Metal Blade 40th anniversary concert. So maybe that means they're working on some music or something or maybe a tour. I don't know. We need them back.
0: Yeah, so they kind of disappeared, uh, love conference. And I think uh, them and Traveller and uh, Gatekeeper, it seemed like they were going to spearhead a, I don't know if we call it, what, a new wave of American, British metal thing. What do you call it? Neo-metal. New album kind of worship, with- yeah. Yeah um But that again, it seems to have stalled. But hopefully, it's stalled because next year they're all going to come out, and it's going to be the year of the the year of the horns. Sorry, I've given, <laughs> it's impossible. video, but none entirely of <laughs> possible.
1: We're throwing the horns. If you're listening to this podcast, no one's going to see this video probably. But yes, I agree a hundred percent. And for the final entry into this portion of the list, and a, and a very welcome one at number forty-one, moontooth phototroph
0: Yeah. So I mean, this was one that kind of was a bit of a a. Bit of a bit of a surprise, really. I didn't know too much about well, I didn't know anything about the band. Um, before it came in, listened to a, a single track. I actually, Tom Trout, who did an be for us, sent over his way with a bit of a new to both of us, thing. And it's been a bit of a like a, a slow burn for me, but an album i kept coming back to periodically throughout the year and liking it more and more each time. And what I like is, I and mean, you and I've discussed this before, I like a band that does more than one thing, and does more than one thing well. And what I think you get with Moontooth is that they're retro, um, there's snippets of album in there, there's prog, there's grunge, there's alternative. They just write really good songs. Um, They've got, you know, uh, but they're kind of loose, but while being really technically proficient as well, which is a kind of an odd way to do it. Um, It's like one of those, you can tell the band members are all technically really proficient, really on it, but they don't show off or get flashy. What it does remind me of, which and I'm probably going to take some albums or some references now that might put some people off, but in a good way. Um, reminds you like those early nineties albums where bands that had been hard rock or had been kind of bluesy were trying to go grunge or trying to go alternative, but this nails it. This absolutely it you know, so This is what like Freak Nature were trying to do. So it's just like balance by Van Halen or um you know those, those sorts of albums this called cool my freedom stuff so it sits for me i don't know where their influences come from but that's what i hear when i listen to it and it's really come but it would have been the best of those sorts of albums come give hear a bit of extreme in there like pornography you know a bit of stuff but dirtier so don't you know we're not talking wholehearted or more than words you know we're talking more like kind of the, uh, decadence dance and stuff like that but dirtier a bit, bit thicker and a bit more extreme thick guitar sound to it that sort of thing but yeah it's so sort of waffled on endlessly but i really liked it when it first came out i'd never heard of it and i think there's definitely something anyone out there that's like anything alternative or proggy or melodic that there's definitely something in this album for you and it's one of those as well um it's a moniker at speakeasy's their pr you know we chat quite a lot to the prs as we go through the year and you pick up from them which albums really seem to land and work for them and you could tell this one that she loved. And that, again, helps encourage me to keep going back to it. And it's, it's always good to work with people that love the the, the albums they're they're working on. And so, yeah, new one for me throughout the course of the year, but one that has uh, steadily kind of uh, wormed its way in.
1: Nice. I will say Moontooth has been a band we have had in previous years when they had a release very high on the list. People love this band. I feel like I appreciate them more. I saw them live before I ever heard one of their records. So I think that experience kind of colored them for me in a way colored inside the lines in which that I really love them live and their records are, they're not hit or miss, but they're definitely like some are stronger than others. I like this record. And obviously there was, you know, they're brilliant musicians and, and the vocalist is killer. He can do a lot of different things. Uh, Their guitar player just had like a huge medical issue. Uh, Nick is on the mend and there's like a lot of cool videos of him back wheedling, wheedling on guitar Again, so that's really good to see because he had a really dire medical situation um, that nearly cost him his life. So I'm really glad. Uh, I hope they're on their way back. They claim that they're, you know, gearing up to go back and tour again. They just did a show in New York City. New York State is their hometown, Long Island, New York, to be specific. So really great to see them dock this portion of the list. Uh, clearly, we have 40 more albums to count down. Those will be in <laughs> two episodes with some other guests from the staff. Just briefly, what if you had to, like, just off the top of your head and thinking about what's to come in 2023, what are you looking forward to, whether it's a band, a release, something, anything in the music realm that you're excited about for
0: 2023? So, no, I think the, the very first one to kind of, if um, you put it right at the top, um, new obituary album lands, where are we at, 20th, 13th, 13th of Jan? So we're straight in the new year with a new obituary album. Um, Love LinkedIn in Blood. Um, the follow-up was uh, was was strong as was strong as well. A uh, safe follow-up, you know. I mean, we're talking several albums deep in their career. It's not that they only started a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, I think they're you know re- really looking forward to to hearing what they what they do, what they come up with. Uh, in terms of kind of the the other the other stuff that's due to come out later, I don't know. I'm kind of open. Um, I, I try not to get too overly excited or overly predictive either over, over who's going to release what or when or so on um mentioned before around devon and potentially a new album again a year after this i don't know with devon there tends to be talk about releases and then tours happen and get expanded and extended and things change and then festivals. so we might be might be released in april it might be released in 2025. you know we're kind of a bit open but i'm always open uh always open to a bit of, bit of dev if that comes along interested i haven't heard the lead off track yet for the new enslaved album i think the last one didn't land as well with me as the um looking back at in times or already or the, the albums before but that's a band with such a huge heritage you know, there's such a great kind of um uh, uh yeah just tradition of never ever letting you down you know i think even near yeah, the last one i'm gonna say Utgart, i don't know exactly how you pronounce it you know, We're still talking a really, really good album that um, I'm more than happy to listen to at any point. But yeah, I'm, I'm open. I'm interested to see what's going to come up. Um, the New Inflames has got a bit of a buzz around it. New Insomnium, I'm a big fan of Insomnium, so we'll, I'm open to that. Yeah, I really like the last, yeah, um, Heart Like a Grave from them. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll kind of, uh, kind of see where it takes us. But yeah, those are the first main ones that spring to mind um, for the stuff that's coming up in the first quarter anyway mm-hmm. that we've got ready for cool. so yeah nice yeah i was so gonna, gonna say
1: i was gonna say enslaved uh enslaved that that first single i liked uh, some people were hot and cold on it and then this new single is just so cult the majority of it is just a grinding fast black metal song and i was like wow i needed this and then there of course is an atmospheric prog part because you know, Ivar is going to Evar, but, uh, just yeah. what a great, what a great band. I welcome every event, every release for them is an event for me. And then, yeah, I'm also pretty wide open about next year. I think there's some interesting hardcore records we're going to get next year. The black queen is going to come back next year from Greg Puciato and friends. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, got a terrific solo record out. His debut solo record came out and, um, I probably Amigo the Devil has a new interview com, a new review coming, a new album coming out that we will do an interview and a review. I recently interviewed him and he dropped to me that he's dropping new music next year. So there's a lot of stuff coming next year that I probably will be excited about once we have announced it. I think we're just starting to get uh, you know, a little bit of a tease. We also interviewed uh Chris Broderick, who teased some more stuff about we what we haven't heard from In Flames yet. Uh so just yeah, terrific. Terrific 2022, going to be hard to top. Will be very yeah. interesting to see where it goes. But, you know, first and foremost, shout out to you for the incredible tireless work you do. Shout out to your family for sharing with us. I don't know... <laughs> how they still do, and our staff, you know, it goes without saying. uh, You've done a marvelous job of shouting out the writers who wrote the reviews. I can't even remember the review I wrote, but, you know, big props to them. They took on a huge load. We have a few new writers who also came in and shouldered a lot of stuff, and it's just very impressive, and we have a really great crew, and I'm just absolutely tickled to see where we're going to go in year 11.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think the bit actually I'm going to link in two more two more bits back to the themes and the trends and software force. Obviously we've talked there about some very big established bands, um, predominantly from Scandinavia. And I think we both know that uh, coming back to our wheel our fenn diagrams, you know, Scandinavian mellow death and offshoots sits very much, very comfortably in the centre of what we both like. And there's a lot of established bands there, but not announced yet, but I do think Celestial Sanctuary, coming back to Death Mel, isn't it is primed and ready to pump themselves up with your two molds with the blood incantations and to really kind of push on from the UK as a as a as a fellow kind of beacon for for death matter there and being being loyal to my to my country despite all the uh the larger problems that are going on I'm, yeah it's really interesting to see where uh, a lot of our contemporary music in the, in the UK goes so I think you're right a lot of bands set up ready to either explode or to do something really interesting. Um, hopefully, I think there's probably a Harriet full length at some point this year and another, other bands coming. Um, so that's where I'm, I'm really interested to see what can, yeah, what can happen where we go with that. So. Best of luck with the
1: politics. It's a dumpster fire here as well. Lucky for Ghost Cult, we don't have any election or album of the year countdown deniers. Everybody (laughs) has not seen the list yet, but I'm sure they won't be in too bad. You know, they won't be saying this is fake and you can't trust it. Nope. everybody trusts Steve. He does a marvelous job on these tallying the votes. So, Steve, once again, thanks, man. It's a pleasure and an honor to chop it up with you in another year in the books, more or less as we talk today and you know just again just thrilled to still work with you and thank you for everything and uh stay thank tuned you. listeners for uh the next two episodes as we count down to number one take care thanks for listening we're ghost cult we're out peace
0: this has been another episode of the ghost cult magazine podcast check us out at ghost dot and follow our socials at ghost cult man until the next time peace